Can we pray? Thank you, Lord, for your word. And uh, I just pray, Lord, that this morning you would speak to us through your word, through this passage, through this interaction, that you would minister to us as a church in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going through the book of Mark, and we are finishing chapter one, which for some of you, you're probably like, about time. And then you did the mass and you realized this is a two-year sermon series. And you're like, oh dear, it's not looking good. So, no, it's five years. We haven't hit the long chapters yet. No, I'm teasing. But um, so we are going through Mark and part of us going through Mark is that we really wanted to spend a good chunk of this year looking at Jesus, um, focusing on Jesus um, allowing uh, ourselves to know him more, to, to learn from him so that we can become like him, um, and then ultimately to engage with him in his mission of making him known. Um, so so we're going through the book of Mark, and we find ourselves now at this junction, this moment, where Jesus has this inter- interaction um, with a guy who has leprosy. So we're gonna look at that this morning. Um, but first thing is there's a, a guy, he's a, what, do you, what would you call it? Like a life coach kind of guy. His name's Jim Rohn. And he says this, he says, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Um, you're the average. I don't know if you've ever heard that before, but then you look around and you go, who do I spend the most time with? And uh, that raises a whole bunch of questions in and of itself. Um, but he says this, he says, you're the average of, of the, you know, the five people you spend the most time with. And you know, I've thought about that, and uh, I think in some ways it is true. You become like the company that you, you keep. Um, but what, what's happened in our society is like we've so embraced this kind of thinking that we shape all of our lives around who we hang out, where we hang out, the kind of schools we send our kids to. We, we live these kind of lives that are, are shaped to try and further us as far, you know, like to get us in this purposeful journey of becoming our best versions of ourselves, making a difference, being successful, et cetera, et cetera. And um, if you are on social media like TikTok or something like that, which uh, is taking a beating at the moment, but um, if you're on those, there's, there's a thing that used to, used to be like a meme, and it was like, you see that toxic person? I'm turning the other way. You've heard me mention this thing. You see that toxic person? Turning the other way. See that toxic person? Turning the other way. And basically what it's saying, like if you've got a toxic friend, out, done. They must go, you know, like, because uh, you want to shape your life so that your best version of yourself comes out. So if there's someone in your life that is like, messing with your mood or, you know, like they're always asking stuff of you and you're like, I just don't like this person anymore. Why are they so toxic? You must just get rid of them. Just like get rid of that person. They're out. They saw yesterday. They're no longer part of your your friendship circle. Um, But we do that not just with 
people, um, we do that with places, you know, like you see, you know, we no longer hang out in that space anymore because, you know, we just don't like it. And uh, in South Africa, you know, it's like, Crime could be there. Don't know if I want to hang out there anymore. Or, you know, schools, if you're a parent, there's all the talk about which schools to send your kids to. Is it a good school? Is it still a good school? Um, you know, if it's not, it's out. Like, leave that school to become the worst version of itself. But we, what we do is we so shape our lives to get our best out of it. Um, and what that often entails is just cutting some people out, uh, some spaces out, some things out. Um, and some of that could be good, but some of it could be bad. And uh, I'll tell you now what that means for, for this sermon. We'll get to that. Um, but this is a story about a guy with leprosy. And leprosy in that time, the, the word that it uses for leprosy is not talking about the, the physical disease of, of leprosy. It's talking about a number of, it's like a collection of skin diseases. So uh, back then, if you had like boils, uh, that would be regarded under the term of leprosy. So um, like a month ago, some of you may remember I had like a sore on my face. It was like a boil over here somewhere. My eye like was swelled up. That would be me, out, unclean, done. It's like, sorry, Jamie, can't come to church. Uh, you're out for seven days. They would inspect me again and they would be like, mm, still there, done, another seven days out. Um, but it, like there, there was a number of skin diseases that would fall under the brackets of what they're using here leprosy, uh, boils, I mean, actual leprosy. Um, if you had a, a rash, uh, you know, that was spreading, uh, maybe you had something like ringworm or, you know, anything that spread or they thought was contagious, you would be classified under this term. And then you would be declared unclean. You would then be put out of the community. Uh, you would be put out for seven days, uh, was, was the initial kind of term. You, you would be put out for seven days out of the community, and uh, that was so that you know, the, the skin disease wouldn't spread. Um, and then you had to come back to a priest who would inspect you, and if they were happy that the, you know, the skin disease had gone, uh, then you would give a sacrifice, and then you would be welcomed back into the community. So that's kind of some of the context of, of this. This guy who comes to Jesus has a skin disease. And the problem with skin diseases is they're often very obvious. You know, you can see them. You wear them on the outside of your body. It's, it's, uh, it's not like an internal disease where maybe you can hide it and, and that. Uh, it's an external disease. So you can see the boil. You can see the rash. You can see the leprosy. You can see the skin disease. And so people know it. And then you get ostracized. It's not even just a voluntary like, oh, look, I've got this boil. I'm just gonna, you know, 
live in my tent outside the community for this week. It's like people would ostracize you. You would get pushed out the community. You would have to live out there until people were satisfied that you were fine enough to come back. You would have to go to the priest. But what happens in this specific situation is is this person has obviously been out of the community for a long time. Um, that's the, the, the way the story has been told. It implies that. He comes begging for Jesus to declare him clean. Because that's what would happen. Like if you had leprosy, like if you had one of those skin diseases, the only way you could come back into the community so you've been ostracized from the community. The only way you can come back into the community is if someone, one of the priests, declared you clean. So he's coming to Jesus asking to be declared clean, and he's begging. And the implications of the way the story is told is he's probably been like this for a long period of time. Been out, ostracized, lonely, uh, feeling like he's not part of of the community comes begging for Jesus to declare him clean. I, I want to read just one passage just to get an idea of how, um, like how painful this could be. In Leviticus, it talks about what to do with someone who's got a skin disease. But the, the whole passage ends off like this. Anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes. Anyone with leprosy must wear torn clothes. Let their hair be unkempt. Cover the lower part of their face and cry out, unclean, unclean. Like, I, it sounds funny, I know. How terrible, like, is that for a treatment for you if you've got leprosy? And as long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone. They must live outside the camp. So picture this person. This is, this is your life if you've got the skin disease. If you've got eczema and you don't have any of the cool creams like we've got now, just think what your, your life is going to be like. Um, you have to wear torn clothes, let your hair be unkept, the lower part of your face covered, and you must cry out, unclean, unclean. Someone's walking past, and you must cry out, unclean, unclean. I don't know if you can even comprehend like how shameful that must feel to be that person. That, and the reason why you're crying out unclean, unclean is because you must not be within, I can't remember the exact thing, but it's quite a far distance. If someone comes close enough to you, they themselves be unclean. So if you've got the disease and I walk up to Callum and I'm like, hey, I make him unclean. He now has to be out of the community for seven days just because I've got within a certain proximity. So to stop people being unclean that are walking past, you have to shout, unclean, unclean, so that no one comes near you. You live alone and you live outside 
of the community. You're ostracized. It is not a pleasant life. This person is not living a pleasant life. And they've, they've had enough. They want out of this. So they come begging Jesus. Jesus, if you are willing, you can make me clean. The first thing to notice is that if you've got the NIV, um, the NIV at the top of the passage says Jesus heals a man with leprosy. And um, it's, I don't like those words because in this passage, it never talks about healing. Jesus never uses the word Jesus heals someone. It, but it uses the words four times about becoming clean, asking to be clean, Jesus being willing to make him clean, him becoming clean. Um, and it's because what the person is asking for is they're asking for more than just healing. They're not just asking for a skin disease to go away. That's not what they're asking Jesus for. They're asking Jesus to welcome them back into the community. That's what they say. They're not just saying, hey, Jesus, can you get rid of my boils or my eczema or whatever it is? They're saying, hey, Jesus, can you, you, Jesus, can welcome me in. You can declare me clean. I am asking you to bring me back into the community. They're asking for way more than just healing here. They're asking to be brought in. Jesus, if you are willing, you can make me clean. What's interesting is this person's broken the rules here. He's, he's broken the rules. He should be shouting unclean, unclean. But he's taken a massive risk. He's come up to Jesus. He's you know, come right up to Jesus. Technically, Jesus would now have to be declared unclean. He's come right up to Jesus, taken the risk and say, Jesus, if you are willing, you can declare me clean. You can declare me clean. It's amazing because Jesus wasn't a priest. He was a, he was a rabbi. Um, so he would have been a teacher, but he wasn't a Levitical priest. So he couldn't actually declare him clean under the Levitical kind of priesthood. But he sees something so significant in Jesus that he's like, Jesus, I need you to redeem me from my situation that I'm in. Jesus, it says Jesus was indignant. Uh, the NIV used to translate this before it was updated as Jesus was moved with compassion. Um, and uh, Jesus was moved with compassion, but most of the the, the oldest documents use the word Jesus was angry or indignant with the situation. Um, and it seems like 
what the theologian says. Jesus is indignant with what's going on, not because the guy has entered his world and now he's going to be declared unclean. That's not why he's angry. It seems that he's angry that a system has allowed this person to be completely ostracized and forgotten without any way in. Because what it seems like is that this person wasn't just ostracized for seven days and then managed to come back in or another seven days. It seems like he's been like this for a long time and just there's been no way for him to find a way back in. And Jesus is angry or moved with compassion as you know, some of the, trans, some of the, the documents say. Jesus is moved in some way by the situation, by fact of a person who wants to come in but can't come in because the system is holding him back. Jesus is moved, indignant, has compassion on this person. And what does he do? It says that he reaches out his hand and touched the man. Like you did not touch a person with leprosy. This would mean Jesus would definitely have to be declared unclean. The, the way these kind of diseases worked and the way Leviticus kind of describes them is this idea of contagiousness. You know, like if something's contagious, someone needs to be isolated for a period so that that disease doesn't spread. And like there's some you know, some good logic in that. Think of COVID, you know, you get COVID, what happens? You isolate for a period. Like all other things, you know, you, you get the flu, you stay at home, you don't want to make other people sick or, you know, like, like there's good logic behind some of these things because you understand like that if you have, if you are sick, you can make other people sick. Um, and so what, how the Levitical kind of law worked was it wanted to try and prevent contagious diseases spreading within the community. So if someone had a contagious disease, you know, they would isolate themselves for a period, but then they would be welcomed back in once the contagiousness of the disease is, is gone. But if people were exposed to them, so people who were clean were exposed to someone unclean, someone with a contagious disease, they themselves would need to isolate, you know, to try and stop the spread of transmission. Um, and, and so that was the kind of aim behind this. And the thinking was always that clean people become unclean by being exposed to someone unclean. What, those words are difficult for us today because clean and unclean can mean different things. But, but what they're saying is that people who are healthy can become transmitters of the disease by being exposed to someone with the disease. So that, that was the thinking. But the thinking was always that the person who is unclean has the power to move that disease across the spectrum of health. Does that make sense? So if you've got the sickness, you are going to transmit it. 
we are not strong enough to stop the sickness. Like, that's the thinking. So clean people become unclean. That's how it works. But with Jesus, it's the opposite that happens. With Jesus, the unclean become clean through the touch of Jesus. So instead of it happening the one way, Jesus being touched, Jesus reverses the the direction. Instead of Jesus becoming unclean, what happens in the story, the unclean person becomes clean. It moves, Jesus reverses the direction that someone who is unclean by coming to Christ can become clean. Yo, there's lots of cleans in this sermon, sorry. Now we're all gonna go wash our hands afterwards. But Jesus reverses the direction of how society viewed these things. So someone's unclean, they must be outside. You must not be exposed to the unclean because if you are, you know, it's going to affect you. But with Jesus, it's like, if Jesus is exposed to someone, it's going to affect them. Jesus touches the man and he becomes clean. And this is a story, like I said, of more than healing, it's a story of redemption. Because what Jesus is doing for the man is he's welcoming him into the community. He's not just healing the person. It doesn't say Jesus touched the man and says be healed, like happens elsewhere or receive sight, or sickness be gone, or anything like that. He says to the man, be clean. He's declaring the person clean. He is welcoming them back in. He's taking an outsider and bringing them back into the community. He's taking someone who's ostracized and bringing them into the community. He's taking someone who has been declared unwelcome, who has been declared unvaluable, who has been declared unwanted, and he is redeeming them, bringing them back in to the community. This is a story less about healing and more about redemption. It's a story of how Christ, when he enters into spaces that are unclean, broken, contagious, whatever words we may want to use, Christ reverses the direction of change. We eliminate toxic people from our lives because of the effect that they have on us. We must put them outside of the circle of our lives. What happens with Jesus is he brings them in and his invitation in changes the whole situation. Christ goes towards, he reaches out his hand, touches 
the man. He moves towards the brokenness and he reverses the change that would normally happen. Outsiders come in. You know, the, Jesus then tells them to go to a priest and you know, go through all the formal kind of like, um, you know, follow the, the mosaic law uh, of the time, go to the priest, be declared. So he encourages the person to go through that process. But what happens is the person's just so radically touched by Jesus, being welcomed into the community. He, he just bypasses that and is in now. Don't, like a person who's an outsider, who's ostracized, all of a sudden has this boldness to be like fully within the community. I don't know if you've noticed that. Like he would have been an outsider. People would have like shunned him, been away from him. All of a sudden, he's talking freely, spreading the news. It's like he is totally in. This outsider who's been ostracized because of the words of Jesus, be clean, because of the invitation of Jesus, because of the redemptive work of Christ, what happens now? He is freely moving within the community. He's totally redeemed. Jesus welcomes the outsider. He brings the outsider in. What, I mean, this story makes me think of a number of things, but uh, some of you would have been here on Thursday night for Andile's talk, um, and Andile talking on citizenship actually was talking on you know, being present in our communities and the presence of God's people in their communities, loving, looking after, caring, being a neighbor, how that transforms spaces. Um, but I was thinking about like leprosy today. Like people are not scared about people with skin diseases generally. I don't know if you are, but I had a sore on my face and I mean, no one left the church. So bless you all. But we, we generally are not as scared about skin diseases as, uh, uh, as they were there. But there, there are so many th reasons why we have some people who are outside and why some people are in. There's so many reasons why some people get ostracized in our lives and some people don't. Um, and, and so we can look at, at people based on a number of things, economics, you know. If you're part of a certain economic bracket, in my world, you're outside. I don't want you to in, you know, engage in my kind of space. Uh, uh, it could be based on gender. It could be based on race. It could be based on numerous factors. You know, someone's toxic personality traits. Someone's uh, a little bit more loud and flamboyant buoyant or whatever, and you're like, oh, those people are the worst, you know, like, I just don't want to hang, like, and what we end up doing is we create, like, pockets in our lives where people have leprosy, where they're out, they're out, they're outside of our, our space. We can do that in the church, where, hey, we're a church for 
middle class white people. Like whatever it is that you wanna say, you put this kind of term on and then everyone else always feels like an outsider. Like they just can't feel like they're part of the community. We create these barriers, we create these walls, we create these spaces in our lives where some people are in and some people just have the traits that always put them out. Jesus goes to the outsider and brings them in. Jesus goes to the outsider and brings them in. Sometimes we think of places like that or schools. Um, we, we're moving, we're getting ready to move down this side. Um, we've lived in Pinetown. But um, it was funny when we lived in Pinetown, um, we bought a house in Pinetown in 2012. Uh, in 2011, Pinetown was declared the highest crime rate in the whole country. We had the highest number of break-ins in, in the whole country, a policing district. People are like, you're going to Pinetown? Like, are you gonna be okay? I mean, you know, sometimes Lisa had one friend that was like, is it safe for me to come to your house? And you're like, what? We live there. Like, <laughs> what does that even mean? You know, like, I don't understand the question. Um, but like, you know, a space can have this kind of like view, you know, in people's minds. It's like, you don't go to Pinetown. And I mean, that could be all different spaces. We're moving down this side of the hill. And then, you know, some people are like, Umbilo, you know, don't go to Umbilo. And then we were like, there's a church for sale in Umbilo. And I was like, oh, you know, there's a church. It's an amazing building. Should we buy the church? Umbilo, will people come if we move our church to Umbilo? Since then found out the church members were all getting mugged on their way to church, which is why they're moving from that building. But like my point is like there's all the, this talk about space. It's not just people, it's spaces that we like, oh, don't occupy that space. Don't be in that space. And Dile on Thursday night talking about his wife never having lived in a township and moving back to Amlazi, but how they've gone and they've occupied that space and how they bring the kingdom into that space. We, we have these places where there's these people that we ostracize from our lives, but there's these spaces that we ostracize from our lives. Well, as parents, there's these schools that we write off because, you know, don't go to that school because of this reason and that reason and this reason. And there's all these reasons why we live in certain places with certain people doing certain things because of our fear that the unclean will make us unclean. But what Jesus does is Jesus reverses the logic. Instead of the unclean making him unclean, his cleanness makes the unclean clean. 
Redemption is about Christ moving into brokenness and making brokenness whole. The church has a role to play in South Africa. And that role is not just to occupy the, the paths of semigration. That role is not just to occupy the movement of people into areas of comfort. I'm always fascinated when I hear about another church being planted in Salt Rock and Belito and the places where people are semigrating to. And I'm like, well, you know, what about Seaview and Umbilo and Pinetown? And it's, you know, etc. And Eugene wanting to plant a church in Dasanok and Andile doing his work in Amlazi. You know, the church has a role to play in South Africa. And that role is not just to follow the migrant path of people to the Cape or to the North Coast. It's to occupy spaces of brokenness and allow the paths of redemption to move from clean to unclean. And please, like, just even saying clean to unclean can sound controversial in South Africa when you're talking about spaces. I'm only using that in this term. It's to occupy spaces of brokenness and allow the shalom, the wholeness of Christ, to bring wholeness into communities of brokenness. The church should remove the, should reverse the movement of change so that brokenness doesn't make whole spaces broken, but that wholeness makes broken spaces whole. The redemptive work of Christ. What people, spaces, areas, institutions, should you and I be occupying in our lives to bring the redemptive work of Christ into those spaces instead of shunning them aside like they've got leprosy? Just to close, you know what the crazy thing about this story is? The story tells us that redemption comes at a price. Redemption comes at a price. Jesus redeems. He redeems a person with leprosy. He welcomes the man in. And what happens? The man comes in. He goes. He becomes an evangelist of Jesus. But the end of this passage says this. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly but stayed outside in lonely places. Does that phrase ring a bell from that Leviticus passage that I read? Jesus is not outside because he's become so popular and he needs to hide. Jesus is outside because he himself has become ostracized. The outsider has come in, but the insider has been kicked out. 
Like that's what the story is telling us. The outsider has been welcomed in. Redemption has gone into that space and welcomed the outsider in. But as a cost, Jesus himself has now in the lonely places. He has, his redemptive work was costly. But that is the story of redemption. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf so that we who didn't know righteousness could become the righteousness of God. The redemptive story is always that we freely get from Christ, but he carries the cost of that redemption. Redemption comes at a price. And for Jesus, that price in this story was that to welcome the outsider in, he would have to become the outsider. The reality is, is that in our lives, for us to be redemptive agents in our community, probably the same is going to happen. To welcome the outsider in, means that we will probably move from an insider to an outsider. It is always disruptive to the status quo of society. It's disruptive to the comfortable and the convenience of people to be someone who welcomes outsiders in. And because of that disruption, those who are on the inside doing that become outsiders it's the price of redemption redemption comes at a cost Jesus paid that price but Jesus ultimately pays that price as we reflected on Easter by not just being cast out into the lonely places, but by himself dying on the cross, alone while all his disciples left him, carrying the full weight of the brokenness of society and of your and my sin. Jesus takes our place so that we, outside of the kingdom, can be welcomed in. I don't know where you are today, but maybe today you feel like an outsider for a number of reasons. You could feel like an outsider because of natural reasons, just because of who you are, you feel like you're not connecting in the community. Today, you could feel like an outsider because of a number of reasons that are deeply related to yourself. Could be because of actions that you've done, because of shame that you carry, because of sins that you've committed. Today, Jesus, because of his work, welcomes you in. He has bought your forgiveness by himself carrying the shame of sin on the cross. 
And Jesus has bought a community, the community of God by he himself being ostracized to the lonely places. He welcomes you in. And for us as a community, we want to be a redemptive community. We want to be a redemptive community, not a community that shuns brokenness out of fear that it's going to contaminate us, but a community that moves towards brokenness to bring the wholeness of God into the brokenness of society. Can I pray? Lord, Thank you for your word. I thank you, Jesus, for just how your life challenges us and stirs us. And just, you are amazing, Jesus, how you can redeem a person that's felt on the outskirts of society for so long, you can bring them in. And I thank you, Lord, for us. That's what you've done for us. And that's even what you're doing for some people today, stirring them, speaking to them, inviting them in. But I pray for all of us in our families, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, that we would be redemptive people. We would be not the religious Pharisees of our communities, trying everything we can to make sure that we never touch brokenness. But I pray, Lord, that we would be like you, Christ, the redemptive agents in our spaces, in our families, in our communities, in our workplaces, that we would move towards and bring wholeness into broken spaces by your grace, by your spirit.